Can you guys hear me? Sorry, hold on. 32 super fans. I, I couldn't understand a word that was said. Every angle of the NFL covered. You fired up for that, man? Huh? This. We on go time. We, we still on go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the hurricane is Hurricane. This is Next Fan Up. We're live, bro. Hello and welcome to week 15 of Next Fan Up. I am James, your Eagles super fan here, joined by Cavalcade, um, a smattering. I, I, I like to call this circus the clown car show, but um, we have two guests here that are going to kick off things with Thursday night football. But before we get into that, let me introduce the uh, normal knucklehead who's usually here to join me, Kevin, our Cowboys fan. How are you doing, Kevin? Uh, you know, I'm doing all right. If uh, offense wasn't part of the football game plan, I'd be doing much better because Dak is struggling mightily. But, you know, I'm doing all right. Sitting at nine and four, practically clinched yeah, yeah, the division. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll crap on your team later. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Nick, our Chiefs fan here. He must have listened last week when Monty and I called him insufferable. How are you doing, Nick? <laughs> I am feeling pretty insufferable. It's kind of kind of my thing. I'm uh, I'm known as his smugness on this thing, and uh, I'm feeling mighty smug going into TNF. Yeah, yeah, I'm pr- pr- pretty freaking smug there. I just want the all listeners to know that he's chimed into this chat as the number one seed. <laughs> uh, but Which last the Chiefs will least... be at the end of Thursday night, at least for oh goodness, a couple of days temporarily. There's there's a couple of games on Saturday that might dictate that. And last but not least, Ken, our Chargers fan. Um, Ken, have you come back down to earth, or are you still up there with Basils in the uh, upper ionosphere? Well, you know, normally it's 75 and sunny in San Diego. In the last couple days, it's actually rained a little bit. And that's that's reflective of my mood as well, um, with Rashawn Slater being out. But we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll actually start a little bit about that. So there are two big things going on in the league this week, and um, one of them actually started on Monday, and it's basically the outbreak of COVID cases, not with any one particular team, but league-wide. Uh, apparently, there are upwards of 100 positive tests as of this recording um, heading into this weekend's games. Uh, There are team meetings going on just outside of Dallas. Commissioner Roger Goodell said that there are no plans to change any of the games whatsoever. So I guess the league is really going to stick to if a game has to be canceled for any reason, teams are going to forfeit and lose game checks. Uh, Nick, you're an AFC representative here, and uh, one of those games impacted is an AFC matchup with a team in your division. What's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I think they they can't start canceling games too early because of the precedent that it would set. I mean, like, because like, what is the standard at some point? You know, if you said it, okay, it's eight eight starters or eight you know would be active players or eight players on the fifty three man or whatever, and then so it's like like okay, so like it seems like this is an extreme case, and then next week you have like six different or maybe even worse, an odd number of teams that you know have that situation, and they, they don't want to cancel like a whole slate, you know. Um, I think they got to push forward for now. What's interesting, I mean, so, you know, we're recording this uh, Wednesday night. There are ongoing meetings, I think, with the NFLPA and the NFL trying to figure out some new protocols, whether it's, you know, letting 
positive but asymptomatic players still play, which seems like bound to only make it worse. Um, But also doing uh, daily testing as opposed to weekly testing if you're vaccinated, because that seems to be one of the causes of some of these outbreaks is it was spreading invisibly um, among these teams because most of the players are vaccinated, but they are still able to infect each other. And they're only tested once a week. So you only figure it out at, you know, kind of all at once at random times. Um, Something needs to change. Obviously, the protocols are not working as as designed right now. Um, but I don't, I, obviously I think the league is going to do whatever they can to avoid actually canceling anything. Yeah. Dr. Allen Stills, the chief medical officer for the NFL, uh, did predict this early in the season. He mentioned that probably around Thanksgiving or shortly thereafter, whatever the usual number of cases is up until this point is going to skyrocket. And it has, I mean, again, up until this point, 100 positive tests just for this week alone, which is more than the previous three months of the season combined. Um, Kevin, your take on this. Um, In the beginning of the year, you know, the league pretty much put out the rules, like I mentioned earlier with Nick, that if a team can't field enough players, you know, but considering the names that we're losing at this point right now, people who are showing up as positive, and and again, they're, they're not completely out. Some of these players are vaccinated, as Nick mentioned. They have up until... Friday or Saturday, depending on when they play, to still get two negative tests if they're vaccinated and play their games. But we're about to roll into playoffs in about four weeks. I mean, long term, what is your outlook here beyond, you know, the regular season as far as how playoffs could be impacted? Yeah, it's unfortunate, the timing. I mean, I think it's really hard to cancel games at this point in the season, as you said, so close to the playoffs. Um pushing back everything. Um, It's just an unfortunate situation we're in. Honestly, I don't think there's much they can do. Um, And the NBA is getting affected, obviously, just as as badly as uh, from this as the NFL. So, I mean, it's not a good time for, for sports fans right now. The, just the quality of of play is, is going to suffer greatly. Um, It's it's just inevitable. Um, but I mean, that's just the world we're living in right now. And honestly, it, it, there's nothing we can do. Uh, we got to go Clay Travis on everyone and just proceed. Ken, any last thoughts on the, on this entire situation with the uh, uptick in tests? Yeah, I'm I'm Mr. Silver Lining. So as someone who's walking into a division game as an underdog. Um, this is unfortunate, but if the Chiefs do win, it's just an Atrix win. So it's the COVID <laughs> game. So that's that's awesome. A moral uh, victory against COVID. Oh goodness, we'll get there soon enough. Uh, just pump your brakes. Just one more story I want to touch on. Uh, another topic that came out during the uh, these league meetings, if you will, today just outside of Dallas, was the state of the NFL and. Um, it's track record with diversity, whether they've gotten better, how far they've come. Um, the quest to diversify coaching candidates, uh, make sure the, the search process is on the up and up. We've seen over the last couple of seasons how, you know, teams have done token interviews, if you will, for various positions, both head coach, front office, personnel. Some teams have made positive strides in diversifying their front office and coaching staff. Other teams pretty much just adhere to 
in old status quo. And that's not to say that the people they've hired are not qualified. You're at this level, you're qualified in some way, shape, or form to have the job that you have, despite the opinions of the fan bases of those respective teams or their rivals. But Kevin, I want to start with you, like, because I, I, I have my own biased opinion, but we're looking at a league that pretty much right now has four minority head coaches, um, one of Latino descent, three African-American. Um, a few years ago, I want to say as, as far back as maybe three years ago, we had eight minority head coaches. I mean, are, are we really trending in the right di- direction with diversity hires? I mean, yeah, there's more minority candidates in the pool, but what's the point if they're not getting jobs? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, I don't think that we're trending in the right direction. I mean, now we're just pretty static there at, at that point. And, it, it, you know, I've always, I'm of the belief, you know, I, I hate just recycling coaches, the same old white white dudes just getting recycled around the league. It, it, it is really annoying, honestly. Um, you know, other people, younger people, they they, de- they deserve like Byron Leftwich, he deserves a head coaching opportunity. There's so there he 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 needs that opportunity. Um, Todd Bowles deserves another head coaching opportunity with the, with the way he he's um, doing with that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. So there's plenty of minority candidates. Um, to your point, they 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 are in the pool, but they're just not being selected. So yeah, it does make you wonder if it's all just for show. Um, and I would like for it to trend upwardly in a positive direction, but right now it's hard to to say that 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 is the case. Um, you know, the the NFL likes to put on a good PR front and for everything, so they're they're trying to do that. But you know, they got to walk the walk. They can't just uh, they can't just uh, they can't just talk and do nothing about it. But we'll we'll see what happens. Indeed. Nick, I want to get you in here on this because your offensive coordinator, one Eric Bieniemy, has been the hot name the last two plus seasons, and yet gets interviewed almost as if just to fulfill the Rooney Rule with no intention of hiring him. Your your thoughts on the whole, basically the the way coaching has changed as far as diversity hires over the last several years? Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with with Kevin that. And there's not a ton more to add. I mean, we, we've talked about this before, but just, you know, if Eric, Eric, the enemy does not get uh, a gig at this cycle, I, I just, I, I don't know what to tell anybody, you know, there's like, there's really no, no reason for it. There's plenty of other uh, great uh, candidates as well. Uh, a few of which, uh, you know, Kevin mentioned, but, you know, unfortunately I think, you know, the only thing, because the problem is, is like, you know, the NFL as, as, taken certain steps to try to address it, you know, by providing incentives to, um, you know, to teams that essentially foster and incubate uh, head coaching candidates um, that would be of diverse backgrounds and things like that. I just like, you know, as an NFL watcher, I have a hard time not seeing that eventually being deployed cynically, you know, like, um, and, and it's just, I don't know, at some level, this doesn't feel like it's fixing the problem. And also I, I just get the feeling that, um, certain candidates are not going to be taken fully seriously until we have more um, uh, more diverse front offices in terms of people making the hiring decisions. And unfortunately, I'm not sure how much that is going to change until there's a shakeup in ownership. And you know, we've seen some some teams change hands. Um, we could, I mean, some of these owners are pretty old. Maybe they're you know with with succession issues that we do see some other teams come up um, 
you know, for sale. And it would be great if the NFL could find a way to sort of steer some of these franchises towards, um, you know, non old money white guys and, and, you know, get some more clubs that are run with less of the, the old, old boys club as sort of the central mentality within, within the organizations. All right. Ken. Uh, oh no i to be honest i don't have an intelligent response to this question (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i'm not i'm not well qualified to talk about this in any way shape or form i'll just be honest all right well i'll say this um the one thing that did come out of these discussions with the uh, league office is that they did partner with the fritz pollard alliance which i will say is a is a good thing um fritz pollard alliance pretty much does present a list of minority candidates every year, both before the season starts and at the end of the season, as far as up and coming uh, coordinators and candidates for head coaching jobs and people who qualify for other front office positions, whether it's president of operations, GM, head scout, um, player personnel development, whatever the case may be in your front office, they, they do that every year. And, you know, to what these guys said earlier, sometimes, these guys just go back to the well and just recycle old white guys who've done this 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, and oftentimes don't look at some, something or someone new. Uh, but the First Polar Alliance has also decided that they're going to go and partner with teams individually and basically scout them, per se, to let them know, Here's some things that here's some candidates that you're overlooking. Here's some things you can be doing better to diversify your front office, your coaching pool, things of that nature. So we'll see if this turns out anything. This is again, this is not an overnight process. I'm not expecting this upcoming cycle, every single, you know, coach that gets fired is replaced with a minority candidate. But it's something that we probably won't see unfold for another at least three to five years. It's a slow process. I don't expect it to happen overnight, but I would like to see something change. I mean, again, we three years ago, up, upwards of eight minority coaches were down to four. Wrong direction, NFL. Wrong direction. While I have Ken and Nick here, you know, you think they have some big game to talk about, but uh, the week does start on Thursday night in L.A. on Fox 820, the Kansas City Chiefs at the L.A. Chargers. And the Chiefs uh, hold steady this week as number four. Now, power rankings, there are three-point favorites over the Chargers who move up from 11 to nine in our power rankings. So uh, this is for the division lead, considering back in week three, Nick, there was this game in Kansas City. And um, remind everybody what happened there. I'm pretty sure Ken knows. I don't recall. It's a very fuzzy memory. Um, <laughs> the main thing to remember is that the Chiefs turned over the ball, I believe, five times. Uh, I think three of those in the fourth quarter, um, which is the sort of thing that is not going to happen again. And it was still a one-score game. And so um, this is also a very different Chiefs team that is going to be taking the field tomorrow night um, than the one that took the field in September. Um, and look, I mean, I, I you know, we, we've kind of talked about it a little bit with some of the COVID cases. I think one of the biggest... Um, storylines going into the game is just simply who is going to be there (laughs) because the Chargers have a fair amount of players um, a a little bit in limbo, not only due to COVID, but also due to injury. The Chiefs, um, their big name is Chris Jones, who may be the most important player on their defense, um, could get the second. Well, we don't know if he's had any negative tests, but, you know, could potentially still get enough negative tests to play in the game. um, But that's still in the air. 
Um, but they, in a big blow, um, they're not going to have um, Legereus Need, their star cornerback, who's going through a personal tragedy. Um, if you haven't seen anything on it, look it up. It's it's uh, really sad. And um, and also Willie Gay, who's emerged as a great coverage linebacker and something that the Chiefs really don't have from any other personnel player. Um, he just recently tested for COVID, and so he's definitely out for the game. Um, and so we're looking at potentially big losses to all three levels of the defense. Um, luckily, you know, kind of what has been, uh, I guess, the, the quiet strength of the Chiefs defense in this big defensive turnaround that they've had has been they're, they're, they're finding some depth. They're finding being able to put guys in the right position. They're they're rotating a ton of dudes and, it, and everything's starting to work. Still, those would be um, all, all three of those being gone would be mighty losses, even if, as it is uh, reported, that um, that the the Chargers are also going to be without uh, their left tackle, um, and they they themselves have a fair amount of guys that are um, on the injury list. Uh, Austin Eckler, the running back, among them. If if Eckler isn't going, then I feel like his loss is kind of, almost kind of like evens out with with Gay not being there, but um, also Derwin James constantly on the injury report that's where he lives but he's you know obviously super impactful if he plays um a few other guys there but this is going to be a big game as you mentioned because the chiefs would come out of it with the one seed for at least a little while um and, <laughs> Until and, the, division, and the division lead with not many left to go um i think the chiefs win this thing they've 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 held the division to, you know and and they're they're going to hold it you know all the way into the playoffs if they lose it then hey, then then the destiny's a little bit out of the Chiefs' hands. Yeah, three games left, and it gets kind of dicey. Ken, get in here. <laughs> we, we we've heard of. I mean, okay, at the beginning, <laughs> Sunday was kind of fun, but Derwin James being hurt on Sunday is also never fun. Um, but it kind of felt like they were just holding him out for the Chiefs' game. Um, Monday, a lot less fun. Um, Rashawn Slater should be a candidate for Rookie of the Year. He's been. Truly outstanding at left tackle. Um, so him being potentially gone, I think he is gone for this game, is really bad because the Chargers don't have a lot of depth anywhere, uh, and they especially don't have a lot of depth on the offensive line. So that makes me a lot less confident. Um, and if Derwin James is not able to play or is limited, uh, I don't. I honestly don't see how we beat the Chiefs um, without, the ta- without the tackle and without Derwin James. If Derwin James plays, uh, I think we have a chance. I'm not worried about Herbert. I mean, one of the nice things about Herbert is even when the offensive line breaks down and they're terrible for an entire game, he can run around and still make godlike throws. Um, it's going to be a tall order for Brandon Staley. Uh, yes, there were five takeaways in the first game. I don't think that's repeatable. Um, but, you know... If Derwin James plays and, and we have Joey Bosa, they they know how to play Mahomes. They've they've played Mahomes really well for most of his career. Uh, and Staley did a great job the first game. So I'm not as confident with these injuries, but, you know, with Herbert, uh, anything is possible. He's unbelievable. Well, so by really well with Joey Bosa, you mean winning, what, two out of the six last matchups? I mean, just just statistically, they've they've kept him in check. Defensively, uh, the Chargers have done pretty well against Mahomes. Whether they've won the game or not, it doesn't mean they've played. Even if you lose, it doesn't mean you didn't play well defensively against Mahomes. 
Moral victories. Oh, gosh. Really, Nick? <laughs> uh, Kevin, you got anything to add with, with, with these two going back and forth? Um, no, they, they, they summed it up nicely. I expect the Chiefs to win, though. Um, although I do hope Austin Eckler plays because I really need well, him your, in your fantasy. Your fantasy team is not important right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so quick narrative check on everybody because there's been a lot of talk. I mean, that, you know, the, the, okay, the Chiefs defense is resurgent. That's pretty obvious, but that the Chiefs offense has been pretty um, lackluster. Meanwhile, uh, Herbie is apparently a god now. So um, uh, just <laughs> throw out a guess. Which, which of the two teams, Kansas City or, or the LA Chargers, has uh, more points per game so far in 2021? The Cowboys. <laughs> Um, they're even. You are correct. It was a trick question. They are dead even at 27. <laughs> they're dead all. even. Yeah, I, I, I watched a little coverage earlier today. Uh, I, I keep NFL Network on in the background. So, yeah, I, I caught that little nugget. <laughs> so the real difference here is is what the, the defense has been like. And, and, again, if anyone can remember all the way back in September, the Chiefs were on track for not just, like, the worst defense in the NFL, but, like, it was, in terms of points per game, it was the worst all time. It was, yeah. right, it was off the charts, like, in terms of his history, but it's certainly the worst, you know, in the last five years of any defense we've seen. And where would you guess, if you just had to wager a guess, where they are, where they sit right now, full year numbers in terms of points per game? Oh, gosh. You know what? They were giving up over 30 a game the first several weeks of the season. I think the last five, they haven't given up more than 17. Uh, they're probably somewhere in the middle, about 20, 21 points a game now. Wow, you are very spot on. That, that, that they are they have given up now uh, twenty point six points per game in twenty twenty one, which makes them the sixth best scoring defense in the in the league right now, and that is with a historically bad like five six game start, um, which puts in well, perspective just just how good I'll, they've I'll been. You, I'll tell you right now months. that the Chargers hold on, hold defense on, wait, is but, also but, terrible. But wait a minute, Nick. Let, 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 let's put this defense into perspective. Over this, what is this now? A six game win streak. You've given up. 17 to the Giants, 7 to a Karen Rodgers list Packers, 14 and 9 respectively to the Raiders, 9 to the Cowboys, sorry Kevin, and 9 to the Broncos. And watch that game. <laughs> I mean, most of the <laughs> teams a- here, I mean, you can't even you can't even say you can beat a good Packers team cuz Karen Rodgers wasn't even playing. Well, last I checked, Dallas is the number two scoring offense in the league. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's the only impressive one. There's like five others that are not impressive at all. <laughs> well, we're, gonna, we're going to add one tomorrow. but Yeah, meanwhile, um... the Chargers have faced like I think the, high, the, the strongest strength of schedule of almost any team in the league. We're definitely in the top five. It'll be interesting. It, it, it will be. And look, the, the, the Chargers are playing nice down the stretch. Uh, you, you've had some solid victories the last couple of weeks. Uh, well, one against the Bengals. I, I mean, you, you could have really pounded the Giants to submission early if a couple of things didn't get away from you. But what's puzzling is, is that this game really could be for all the marbles for the division had you not dropped one to the Broncos three weeks ago. It's unfortunate. We we that was a that was an old Chargers. Brandon Staley has done a really good job this year of not old oh, chargering us. Old and Chargers. Was one Phillip of Rivers quarterbacking. Did I miss something? Oh gosh, no. <laughs> oh god, games. And also, don't discredit the Broncos. They're a little feisty. 
They, they are feisty. But still, I mean, we don't expect the Broncos to – I mean, if they sneak into the playoffs, do we expect the Broncos to win a game? No. No. But I heard Bridgewater is actually looking for $25 million on the open market next year. Can you imagine? Actually, I can't. I don't see why he shouldn't get it. Any other quarterback playing as well as he is would probably warrant the same thing. It may be just like uh, the going rate for a starting quality quarterback and a free agent. That part these days. So uh, let's get to the let, let's move on here and get to the injury so we can hit some other games and not make this all about Thursday night. Uh, again, COVID running rampant in both camps, starting with Kansas City. The players currently on the COVID list as of this recording: Willie Gay, Chris Jones, Josh Gordon. Uh, all show up on the COVID list. Uh, Andrew Weil uh, is listed as questionable. Again, Legereus Sneed is out, personal reasons, um, prayers and thoughts with his family. For the Chargers, uh, Rashawn Slater is going to be out with an illness, has not been confirmed or not, whether it's COVID-related. Um, Frackrell is, I mean, he was placed on injury reserve uh, with and uh, at least miss probably two more games with that knee injury. Injuries in the secondary, Asante Samuels in concussion protocol, Derwin James nursing a hamstring, keep an eye on that up until game time, Alohi Gilman, quad injury, and Austin Eckler, ankle injury, so he's questionable for tomorrow night, but again, that could be a game time decision. Kevin, I mean, uh, Ken, Nick, thank you for joining us. You guys are welcome to stick around for the rest of the slate of games um, as we kick it around here. Um, If not, we'll catch you on later this season in the playoffs. (laughs) I can stick around, but uh, I believe Kevin is retreating already. No, uh, well, Ken, Kevin, I mean. might lose, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and and do some work, and uh, just don't call on me. Uh, and <laughs> I'm gonna listen in on a live podcast, and I'm gonna listen Alrighty. to a podcast anyway. It might as well be this one. Might as well be live. <laughs> we'll do it live. All right. So I'll write it. Saturday. That's right. Saturday, doubleheader starting at 4.30, NFL Network, Las Vegas Raiders, who dropped from 15 to 22, are somehow one-point favorites, but I think I have a sneaky feeling why, over the Cleveland Browns, who move up from 16 to 15 in the power rankings. And again, this is one of the games heavy hit by COVID. Um, Power rankings are taking the Browns, obviously, as the higher-ranked team. However, we did mention COVID. And with the Cleveland Browns, so far it looks like the head coach and one Baker Mayfield are in on the COVID reserve list, along with Afedi Odenbingo, uh, Malik McDowell, Troy Hill, John Johnson, um, and probably a few others, along with some other coaches as well. So I can understand why people are going to probably be jumping ship to the Vegas Raiders on this one. Uh, Kevin, first crack at this yes, one. Sir. Your thoughts on this game? Yeah, um, I'm still going with the Browns. It's better off that they don't have Baker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really, the Raiders just suck. I can't believe the Cowboys lost to them. Um, they're just... It's been three uh, weeks since Thanksgiving, Kevin. Let it go. <laughs> That's going to cost us the number one seed, James. Um, either way, I'm going with the Broncos. I mean, the Browns, they they still have Nick Chubb. I know Kareem Hunt, I don't think he's going to play, but Nick Chubb is going to run all over the Raiders. Uh, Jarvis Landry and Donovan Peoples-Jones have been stepping up a little bit since, since Odell Beckham's departure to the Rams. 
I just don't in good conscience can't pick the Raiders after that performance against the Chiefs. Uh, I know that they struggle against the Chiefs every year, but that was just next level, next level um, disaster. Um, and, you know, is this game in Cleveland? I didn't hear what you said. Yeah, the game is in Cleveland. And the Raiders, that was karma for jumping on the logo, right, Nick? <laughs> yeah, I, I that was one of the uh, one of the dumber things that the, a very dumb team has done in a long time. Just like, man, just setting yourself up for just, whew, well, they got it. Yeah, and, you know, the Raiders don't have anything going for them except for Hunter Renfro. Um, Waller's not going to play probably. Uh, and Renfro, I mean, he's a nice little guy, but like if he's your, if he's getting 13 targets a game, I mean, that, that just says a lot about your offense. No offense to Hunter Renfro, but yeah, it's just not going to go well for the Raiders. Uh, their season's over, uh, even though they probably still have a chance to make the playoffs, they're just not going to. That team's that team's in turmoil. That's all I have to say about that game. <laughs> Nick, anything to add here? Uh, honestly, I'm kind of surprised that, uh, that Kev is, is with me uh, every step of the way that, they, I mean, they're just a sinker right now. Um, you know, it seems like the, the obvious thing to pick, pick them, uh, on the road against a team that may be like without half of its starters due to COVID, but you know, that's the sort of thing that could potentially rally a team at home versus, especially when they, they, they can always, they have the strength of the run game to, to lean on all that kind of stuff, like versus, you know, uh, the team that just tried to flex on on their division rival and just got historically trounced, um, you know, like that's not like. And honestly, I think it could just this could be the sort of game. I mean, it's probably going to be an ugly game anyway, but it's a sort of game that could get ugly too, just because you know they probably don't want to get humiliated twice in a row, and that causes jitters. And you know, it's like we should be winning this game, and oh, there's another mistake. Oh, there's another fumble. You know, I just I think it's I, I I'm with the brownies on this one, and the brownies are not one that I you know tend to trust either but i trust them this week yeah we mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the podcast the, the cleveland browns are our cycle of insanity we we hype them up they lose inexplicably we start trashing them they start winning we hype them up they lose inexplicably i'm, I'm tired of this wheel I'm, i i got off the <laughs> wheel weeks ago and, and there's no reason i mean yeah they won a game last week after knocking out lamar jackson Probably game they easily could have lost because offense pretty much no-showed in the second half against the Ravens last week. And, and look, additional players showing up on the COVID list, Drew Forbes and Wyatt Teller, both their guards, Dredrick Willis, their, uh, their tackle, who else? Tack McKinley, Austin Hooper, Jarvis Landry. If any of these guys I just mentioned who are on the COVID list don't show up, it's primarily – Cooper, Landry, and Mayfield on, on Saturday, as far as their offense goes, I, I don't care what shows up for the offensive line. There's only so much running you can do before the Raiders pretty much decide to pack it in, not in the box, and, and, and just go zero coverage and dare you to throw the ball. I, I, I'm going with the more healthier team with virtually no one on the COVID list here. That, that, that's just me. I, I, I hear what you guys are saying, but it's Cleveland, and I want the cycle to end but it won't because they keep it going. So you're going with the team with the healthy bodies, but the broken soul. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pain and misery can be a great motivator. <laughs> the Vegas Raiders uh, do show Foster Moreau and Darren Waller, uh, Nick Boyles, all three of their tight ends. Uh, Moreau's nursing an ab injury. Darren Waller's nursing knee and back. Uh, Nick Bowers is designated to return from injured reserve. 
on uh, Tuesday this week, Denzel Perryman, Trayvon Mullen, Carl Nassib, and Patrick Onwasar are all listed as questionable for this Saturday's game. The nightcap and one of many games that has playoff clinching scenarios involved the New England Patriots head to the Indianapolis Colts uh, at 8.30 again on NFL Network. The Patriots hold it five in the power rankings. The Colts move up from 13 to two, 13 to 10, excuse me. And the Colts, the Colts are two-point favorites. I could understand why, but the Patriots get into the playoffs with a win and a lot of help of other teams losing. We're not going to go into those scenarios. Uh, that's the simplest one to go with here. A win and losses by other teams. I'm picking the Patriots here. I, I, I don't know how you guys feel, but I don't even see the Patriots winning this game in Indy as an upset. Yes, Indy is a solid team, but I think they're a lot better when they don't let Carson Wentz throw the ball as much. They lean on that running game and Taylor and just let him truck it. Cool. But they're going up against Belichick. And Belichick takes away what you do best, knowing that they love to run Taylor into the ground at some point to win the game. If he's able to neutralize Taylor, because I don't think you take him away. If he can neutralize Taylor and put this on Wentz's shoulders, Patriots win the game. That, that's my simple analysis. Nick. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I'm picking this the way I want it to happen. If I, it's pretty obvious that uh, I'm, obviously I'm, I'm picking the Colts to win this one, but I actually think there's some uh, real reasons why. I mean, one thing is that the you know, the Colts have been decent at rushing the passer. Mac Jones is still a rookie. They have a good offensive line, but still, I mean, he's got to you know he's got to face down some adversity in ways you know that some snow and a four point win like that doesn't uh, you know totally assuage any of my questions about. Uh, Mac Jones, his ability to throw three passes in the snow. Um, and, you know, like the other thing is that, and I know this, you know, sounds weird to say, but like Carson Wentz has actually not been making that many mistakes. Uh, and indeed, they, they balanced that offense pretty well. He only has five interceptions. That's like one of the lowest among starters in the league right now. Um, the funny thing is with Wentz, and it's just entertaining, is that when he ma- decides to make a mistake, he makes it big, you know? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Um, go big uh, or go home with him. Right, exactly. So, I mean, but nonetheless, I mean, I think they're, you know, I think the Patriots do well against teams that, you know, maybe high flying, but, you know, you can kind of scheme them into mistakes. Uh, it feels like India is a disciplined enough team to sort of just avoid that and, and they're balanced enough as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like the Colts in this one and it would help me. Kevin. Well, my uh, my brain says the Patriots. But my heart says the Colts. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with the Colts, um, especially after reading uh, our super fans right up on the Patriots. Um, I just I, I just don't like the Patriots very much. They rub me the wrong way. And, <laughs> yeah, I don't – I mean, yeah, Carson Wentz to Nick's point hasn't been playing that poorly. He's actually been playing pretty well. Um, and Jonathan Taylor, yeah, I <clears throat> listen, they're obviously going to tra- try to take away Jonathan Taylor. Every team tries to take away Jonathan Taylor, but will it work? Who knows? Probably a little bit, but not completely. As you said, James, I still think Jonathan Taylor gets his, um, but the Patriots pass defense is very, very good. Um, you know, they're. Their drop back EPA on defense is third in the league. So Carson Wentz, you know, 
He's going to have a, a tough task ahead of him on, on Saturday. And if he does take care of the ball, I, I really do think the Colts could win this game. Um, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game at all. It's probably going to be a, you know, a, a defensive bout. Uh, I, I would say the first team to 20 wins here. But, yeah, just give me the Colts here just because you know I don't like the Patriots. I don't think any of us like the Patriots. And, and, and you mentioned our, our super fan here for the Patriots, Pat Verchance did at the 11th hour send us something saying late right up here Patriots are now the undisputed number one team in the NFL okay it's disputed but based on what I've seen this year this is still the only team that knows their identity doesn't have a COVID problem although another illness went rampant through the locker room this week in a different time we might call it something that was funnier back then and it's trending upwards all you fantasy owners in the playoffs, thanks to Jonathan Taylor, sorry, your round one or round two matchup is screwed. Pats will neutralize Taylor. He's not scoring big points. Wentz will look good, but will fail to punch the ball into the end zone. Patriots win this one 31-20. If you want fantasy points, be sure to have the kickers in this game. Ouch. There's no Do way the think- Patriots score 31 points. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, do we think that Pat's a little delusional here? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Oh, man. (laughs) Um, The injury report for this game, uh, starting with the coach, Jack Doyle uh, has an ankle injury. He's listed as questionable, along with Bobby Okarike. Uh, Illness, probably the flu. Uh, It's not COVID-related. Zaire Franklin, their linebacker, was placed on the COVID list on Monday. For the Patriots, you see Durant. Uh, was placed on the COVID list. Their guard, Damian Harris, uh, has a hamstring injury that he's nursing. Chase Winovich, their defensive end, is listed as questionable. Cameron McGrone, their linebacker, so far currently listed as out with a knee injury. And other players for the Patriots that almost always often show up as questionable include Nick Folk, Brandon Bolden, Christian Barmore, Jawan Bentley, Trent Brown, Yandy Kajus, David Andrews. So uh, they have quite a bit here. And Dalton Keene, the uh, other tight end, has been placed on the COVID list as well. So not so much an outbreak there in New England, but uh, a lot of players listed as questionable. Let's skip on to Sunday at 1 o'clock. And, uh, Kevin, we're going to start with you here because you're Dallas Cowboys. We're going to go slightly out of order. They travel to New York, or actually New Jersey, to play the Giants in a crucial divisional game as the NFC East basically beats itself up for the last four weeks of the season. Uh, Cowboys fall from seven to eight in our power rankings, but are 10 and a half point favorites over the Giants who hold at 28 in our power rankings. So Kevin, since we got you here, floor is yours, sir. (laughs) Until we get to crazy Jared, or do you want to start with crazy Jared? Oh, I didn't even see his write up. Please let me hear it first. (laughs) Uh, Actually, we don't have anything from Crazy Jared. You're right. That's right. Sorry, folks. Crazy Jared had a little uh, issues earlier today. Couldn't get the write-up in, but I'm pretty sure if it was here, we, we would have all been shaking our heads. But go ahead, Kevin. Oh, yeah, I was looking forward to that write-up. Um, <laughs> I yeah. know you were. <laughs> Cowboys-Giants. Ooh. Cowboys have won seven of eight against the Giants, I believe. Only game they've lost is with Andy Dalton as the quarterback last year. Fun times that was. Um, But listen, I'm going to be realistic in this game. I don't think the Cowboys are going to cover this 10.5-point spread. Really don't. Um, Cowboys offense has been 
absolutely crap since Dak returned from his injury in week nine. They have been absolutely horrendous. They rank in the bottom of the league in almost every category. Um, if it wasn't for this defense, uh, I don't know where the Cowboys would be right now. Um, defense has forced eight turnovers the last two games. Uh, the only reason we've won two in a row against the Saints and the Washington football team probably would have lost both of those games if not for the defense because Dak is, is playing piss poor right now. Um, and I love getting on Twitter, even though I love Dak, I love getting on Twitter and antagonizing Dak, Dak homers and, and just getting them all riled up and just brings me joy. I don't know why, why I like pissing off other Cowboys fans, but I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but listen, Micah Parsons is locked up defensive rookie of the year. We can all agree on that. But he is making a serious case for defensive player of the year. He like Khalil Mack won defensive player of the year, I think, a couple years ago. Michael Parsons' stats are already better than that in, in three less games played. Um, he leads the NFL in pressure rate by a wide margin. Number two is Randy Gregory, if you were wondering. Um, and the Cowboys finally have Demarcus Lawrence, Neville Gallimore, Randy Gregory, and Michael Parsons playing for the first playing they played their first game together last week and they they accumulated five sacks among them uh three four two forced fumbles i think so you know the giants offense is a complete disarray the firing of jason garrett did not help them um unfortunate scapegoat he was there should have lasted the whole season poor man um (laughs) but listen i mean mike lennon is absolute trash uh Game probably game probably wouldn't have been any different if Daniel Jones was healthy enough to play. Um, but Mike Lennon in his last two games in relief of, of Daniel Jones has not completed more than 53% of his passes in either of those games, playing like it's 1975. Um, Giants have absolutely no rushing game. I think they're this. I was looking at it earlier today. I forget, though. But I think they're the sixth or seventh worst team in rushing yards per game. Saquon Barkley, let's give him a huge round of applause, everyone. Yesterday, uh, last Sunday against the Chargers was the first game this season in which he averaged four yards per carry in a game. First time. First freaking time. That is return on investment. Oh, man. (laughs) You love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. Um, Oh, my gosh. Throw in the towel, Kevin. Throw the towel. (laughs) He's dead already, Kevin. He's dead already. Kenny Galladay looks like he literally doesn't want to be in New York. He looks like he could give two two craps about playing there. Um, The offensive line is absolute garbage. Andrew Thomas is pretty good, though. I'll give him that. But uh, Nate Solder is junk. Um, What's his face? Uh, I forget his his first name, but Hernandez is is not very good. Highly touted uh, player coming out of the draft two years ago, I believe. Crazy Jared was all all for him. Billy Price is their center. Not good news for them. And, you know, I just don't see how... Look, I'm just going to finish with a final score here. Cowboys 27, (laughs) Giants negative 6. Oh, God. Nick, anything to add? (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> I'm with Kevin at least for you know a portion of of, of that uh, tirade there. I would I'm taking the Cowboys but not the points uh, for no particular rational reason. I do think this ends up being a close game. Just again for no real rational reason. Um, Glennon is probably about the same quality as Daniel Jones, but the one thing he lacks that Daniel Jones has is uh, mobility. Glennon is a statue, and with the full complement of the Cowboys pass pass rushes back there, uh, he's going to be a broken statue. Um, going to be a Confederate statue. Ooh. Anyways, um, so <laughs> whoa, <laughs> he, he he rivals Peyton Manning in length of neck and forehead, though. So that's oh got one thing god. For him. There is that. The there is a that. report for this game. So I can get you two to be quiet for five minutes. <laughs> the Giants have a little COVID outbreak as Cam Brown, Aaron Robinson, Xavier McKinney, uh, along with Oshani, Zeminis, John Ross, Kandarius, Tony, all show up on the COVID list, along with Cal Murphy, Wes Martin. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is this is just abysmal. Saquon Barkley shows up with an ankle injury. Daniel Jones with his neck most likely not playing. Leonard Williams, uh, arm and elbow injury. Uh, Graham Gano has an illness, most likely the flu. This is not COVID-related. Even the kicker's sick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I I know. So, somewhere out there would definitely love it. But Andrew Thomas, Ben Bretson. Uh, they're both listed as questionable offensive linemen. Austin Johnson also listed as questionable for the Dallas Cowboys. Tony Pollard was a non-participant in Wednesday's practice due to a foot. Pretty sure this is precautionary for rest. Uh, Donovan Wilson, the safety, was designated to return from injured reserve. Tyron Smith, uh, coach, says he play. won't play this week. Nope. And Cedric Wilson, uh, I don't even know why he's on this list, but I'm guessing he's, got, he's, he's getting knocked out of the game on Sunday. He's got the COVID. Ah, so he's on the COVID list this week. Well, good ups to them. Not many here for the Cowboys. A lot for the Giants. Mostly big, beefy guys, linebackers and linemen. <laughs> the next game on the docket for Sunday has the Carolina Panthers, who fall from 24 to 27, uh, taking on the Buffalo Bills, who, cl- who fall from 9 to 11. The Bills are 11-point favorites. We think this is a get-right game for the Bills because it hasn't been great in Cam Newton's return. But, Rob, our Bills fan sends us. Bills finally started to look good against the Bucks in the second half, but too little too late. Now they play the Panthers in what is basically a must-win game. Josh Allen is questionable, but he is playing. Bills will have a bit more trouble with the Panthers' strong defense, but should do more than – more than well on the other side of the ball. Expect the Bills to get back to their winning ways and work their way back into the playoffs. Bills win 29-14. Nick, I want to get your take first because one thing that I mentioned to Robert on our Slack channel while this game was going on was that why was it in the third quarter of that game against the Buccaneers and not a single running back had carried the ball until they ran a fake punt? I feel like the Bills are missing the memo here on how to run offense. It's almost like McDermott is an Andy Reid disciple. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> they need the running game, not only just as a as a counterweight to balance out their offense, but as a counterweight to balance out their their, their Josh Allen, you know, if he's going to be playing. Because um, granted, I, I think their, their offense is at its best when he's also uh, moving the ball on his legs and designed runs. Uh, and they may not do that with a, with a banged up quarterback going into the playoffs, but um, 
honestly, that may be the, the right way to go because the Carolina Panthers you know, don't have a lot going for them, but their pass defense is actually very good. They have good pass rush and they defend well on the back end. And so it's not going to be an easy win. It's a win they got to have and I think they will get. Um, but I would expect this one to be close uh, because, you know, they're, it, it, you know, assuming Josh Allen plays, they're going to have to be kind of cagey with him. And, um, and you know, and, and unless they're going to commit to running the ball at least a bit. I mean, the, the crazy thing is, is they actually have a pretty good stable there. Um, it's just completely un- underutilized. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe Josh Allen's injury forces them to actually adopt a run first game plan, keep him healthy, uh, and avoid that, that gnarly pass defense. But we'll see. I still think the Bills take it, but not by a lot. Kevin, anything to add? <sighs> um, only that I w- over under three possessions until Cam Newton gets benched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has been a roller coaster ride for him since his return to the starting lineup. Mm, indeed, I love to see it. <laughs> Man, there's got to be like a next level of like ouch for being benched for Sam Darnold. Or well, PJ no, PJ Walker. P.J. Walker, excuse me. They've been talking about Sam Darnold getting back in the mix, though. I don't know if he's healthy yet, but that Uh, would be the eventual successor. They they actually shut down Sam Darnold for the year a couple of weeks ago when they announced Cam as a starter. Okay, maybe it'll be next year. Either way. (laughs) Yeah, they did. Uh, Quick hits on the injury report. Taiwan Jones for the Bills has a knee injury, so he's a non-participant in practice. I'm trying to understand how running backs on the injury report for the Bills when they don't give them the ball. Uh, Manuel Sanders uh, has a knee injury. He didn't practice. Tredavious White underwent successful surgery to repair his torn ACL. So, speed of recovery, prayers to uh, Mr. White there. Jerry Hughes, defensive end, is listed as questionable. Josh Allen has a toe injury. Maybe stop running single wing, full house backfield runs with the quarterback. Uh, Tom Sweeney, tight end, star Lutulalele, defensive end, uh, also listed as questionable. Tyler Dodson was placed on a COVID reserve list on Monday. So keep an eye on his status for the Panthers. Uh, DJ Moore is questionable with a hamstring. Christian McCaffrey, of course, not. I don't expect him to play much for the rest of the season if he's even healthy enough to do so. But uh, he's on the COVID list this week. Uh, Michael Jordan, their guard is questionable. A.J. Boyle, their uh, corners also listed as questionable as well. Uh, Kevin, before you dip, we're going to skip around to this game here so we can get my rant out the way, considering this has <laughs> playoff implications for you. The uh, Washington football team, who holds at 21 in our power rankings, travels to Philadelphia to take on my Eagles, who are seven-point favorites. I don't understand how. Maybe the bye week seven. helps us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> seven points. Jesus. Seven points. Exactly. Yeah. That seems a bit much, yeah. You think? Look, (laughs) I understand that the Eagles had the bye, and they won three of the last four going into it, although it should have been four straight, four or five or something, whatever. It it should have been one more victory than they had on that nice little hiatus when the coaches pulled their heads out of their butts and decided to actually start running the football, primarily with the running backs. Take take notes, Buffalo. Um. I don't know what's I don't know what's going to happen these last four weeks of the season. Eagles have Washington twice, the Giants again, for most likely without Jones, and the Cowboys at the end of the season in a game that most likely won't matter. But the Cowboys clinch the scenario is that if they win, and depending on the outcome of this game, they could clinch the division or a playoff spot. 
So there. Um, Jalen Hurts is listed as questionable. That's a big news. So for let's clear this up right now and get it out the way. There is no quarterback controversy. For as well as Gardner Minshew played against the Jets, it was only one half of football, and I want people to understand that because in the second half, we kicked nothing but field goals, and two of them were beyond 40 yards, so he didn't do that much. Defense and all of them hand, were against the Jets. <laughs> I know, and, and that's the other thing. So I, I want everybody to pump the brakes on. Gardner Minshew looked great, as Nick said. The Jets. Washington, even as banged up as they are, still feels a better defense than the Jets. Um, I I just want to see two things here happen. If Miles Sanders is completely healthy because he's nursing an ankle injury and was limited in practice, Jordan Howard was also limited in practice with his knee injury. The bye week came at a great time. Jason Kelsey is questionable, um, but he'll most likely go with his knee injury. So, Three big names there in the offense, not named Jalen Hurts. I need as healthy as possible and to be key factors. Kelsey manning that line, Howard Sanders getting the rock, running the ball between the tackles, and just bludgeoning this Washington defense. Then you can let Jalen Hurts do some read option, bootlegs, roll out half the field, find Smith downfield, crossing routes, intermediate, whatever, hit the tight end Goddard in stride, Hopefully the bye week helps him. Hopefully looking from the sideline helped him see some things and straight drop back passes. He's still struggling with that. But um, that's my take. Defensively, I want the defensive coordinator to pull his head out of his butt and stop sitting in zone. I understand it's Taylor Heineke, but this kid can run. And mm-hmm. the last thing I need to see is another quarterback run on my defense at will with zero resistance. So, if the front four can actually generate any pressure, I'm looking at you, Sweat, and Barnett because you guys have grossly underperformed at defensive end this season. Um, it can't all be on Hargrave and Cox. You guys on the ends have to do your jobs. Get to the quarterback when they're, you know, stuffing up the middle. I'd love to see something from the secondary other than Darius Slay, but who knows? Again, coverages. Steven Nelson looks like the second coming of Jalen Mills. So he's too scared to get close to a wide receiver. Washington pretty much got manhandled for about three and a half quarters against Dallas and then stormed back to make the game close at the end. So I'm not taking this game lightly. Again, seven points is a lot. I hope we win. It all depends on what the coaches decide to do because, again, this is a talented team with first-year coaches who are still figuring it out. And as I've said, in the preseason show for this division, six to four wins. We've already hit six. Everything after this is a bonus. I really don't care. <laughs> Protect the draft picks, I guess. I don't know. Um, Kevin, you're in this division. Your input. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> Other than you want Miles Sanders to get the ball for your fantasy team. <laughs> no, no. I've long, I've long bid him adieu from my team. Um, oh, he had 120 yards the last time out. Sucks. It's, it's true, but he can't be relied upon, a.k.a. the injury. Um, it's not him. But, uh, yeah, this game should be a hoot. <laughs> no, it, it won't be a hoot. Um, honestly, I could care less about this game. But since it is in the NFC East, I will give my opinion. 
I do think the Eagles will win, but not by seven points. Taylor Heineke was actually playing really good ball up until last week until second coming of the Dallas Great Wall uh, hit him right in the face. Um, I don't know if Terry McLaurin's going to play, which would be a huge loss for the Washington football team. I'm pretty sure Jonathan Allen is on the injury report as well. So that's He's not on the good COVID for, list. Yeah, so that's not good for them. Um, and I just, uh, as you said, if, 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 if the Eagles coaches stick to their game plan of running the ball and not putting too much on Jalen Hurts' shoulders, I don't see any reason why they don't win this game. Um, although the Washington secondary can be exploited, um, unless your name's Dak Prescott. But <laughs> so Jalen Hurts does have a little bit of, does have a chance to succeed if he does indeed start. Um, but yeah, the Washington team, they're just no good. They're just no good. The last week against, I don't know what their injury situation is right now, but last week against the Cowboys, they were starting third and fourth string defensive ends. Um, so the, yeah, they're, they're just banged up at the moment. Uh, the Eagles are the healthier team. Uh, I'm assuming Miles Sanders is going to play. Um, so yeah, just, you just give me the Eagles, but I do think it will be a relatively close game. It is a division matchup. Um, usually those games are pretty tight uh, and the Washington run defense is actually pretty good. So maybe you guys will have a hard time running it against them, but yeah, give me the, give me the Eagles about 23 to, to six to no, Cause that would make them yeah, 23 to point. 20, 23 <laughs> to 23 to 20. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Nick, anything to add? Not much, other than I just it kind of strikes me just how for a division matchup, this is, this feels like super ambivalent for both sides, just because you have the the Washington football team who, you know, Heineke's been a fun story, and he's you know like you, you kind of almost you know like knee jerk start rooting for the guy, um, but I don't think anybody considers him to be a long term option. He's probably going to be a Gardner Minshew for a while, bounce around the league as a backup, and maybe you know compete here and there. Um, but also, you know, it feels like, and you know, I, I, you don't need to make this into Eagles today either. I've already made this into the Chiefs today, but it feels like, you know, for the Eagles as well. Uh, Jay, I've liked what uh, Hertz has done, but it feels sort of incomplete in terms of his case for being the guy to build around, and um, and and also this coaching staff to be the coaching staff to build around, and yet they're still in it. So it, it it's just ambivalence all around. It feels like. Yeah, definitely feel you on that one, especially from my personal perspective because there have been times this year when his coaching staff refused to do the simple and obvious things now granted kevin's defense minus star power had a had a plan going into washington and that front seven bludgeoned the washington offensive line and while you would love to think well philly saw that tape and would try to replicate some of those pressures and blitzes and yet we absolutely won't the defense coordinator will rush four. He'll drop seven. He will play zone. Every quarterback we've played so far has picked it apart. <laughs> Some had career days as far as completion percentage. I, I, I mean, I, I, I've lost track of the number of quarterbacks who've completed more than 85% of their passes against us this year because it's mind-numbing that it's happened more than once this season. 
when the Eagles in their history have only allowed it to happen three times. <laughs> so who, who knows what we'll get out of either side of the ball because the moment I feel like I have one side pegged, the other one lets me down. Um, Washington did have a nice little, well, I shouldn't say nice, I'm being sarcastic here, had, had a, um, let's just say that the names on the COVID list for, for now barring any negative tests 24 hours before game time, include Cornelius Lucas, Derek Forrest, Sammy Reyes, Matt Ioannidis, Cam Sims, Kyle Allen, uh, Tim Settle, Kendall Fuller, uh, see, Logan Thomas had successful surgery on his torn ACL, uh, David Mayo, Jonathan Allen, and Tyler Lawson um, tore his Achilles. So he, or they fear he tore his Achilles. He's in need of an MRI. Uh, Casey Tohill, Tohill, excuse me, also on the COVID list. So um, yeah, you got wide receivers, the backup QB, and linemen all over the place. A couple of skill position players. Uh, Terry McLaurin, J.D. McKissick, both in concussion protocol. Uh, Troy Apke, Keith Ismail, Brandon Sheriff. All this is questionable, and Cole Holcomb, the linebacker, was a non-participant with an ankle injury. So uh, to say that the Washington football team is banged up, um, Curtis Samuel, also nursing a growing injury, is a bit of an understatement. Uh, The Philadelphia Eagles, however, again, I've already mentioned, Kelsey, Howard, Sanders are the big names there. They're all questionable, most likely going to play since we're coming off the bye, along with Jalen Watkins. Quez Watkins does find himself on the COVID list. I believe that's the only name there. Patrick Johnson, a linebacker, um, back injury isn't serious, but he's questionable to play. So uh, that's the Eagles report. Moving on here to the next one o'clock game, the New York Jets, who fall from 29 to 30 in our power rankings, fly to Miami to take on the Dolphins, who move up from 20 to 17 in the power rankings. Dolphins are 17-point favorites. Um, that's a big I, I don't line. know, Nick. It, it, I, I mean, do we have to? I, I feel like do we have to, to cover this game? But um, Miami has an outside chance of still making the playoffs. I mean, they're they're one of those teams sitting there. I believe with what six or seven wins in the AFC jumbled right. fluffle, if you will, with a chance to make it in. I, they're playing the Jets, divisional opponent. I get it, but I mean, they storm back here. They've won five in a row. Yeah. Should, should we be keeping – I mean, hell, they're a game behind Buffalo in their own division. Who would have thought? I mean, this is a team that at one point lost seven straight games after winning their opener. And, and now we're saying that they have a shot to make the playoffs? How, how I know it's happened? It, it's crazy. And look, I mean, and I, I guess a, a business trip against the Jets is going to help them, you know, continue that season. I mean, one way or the other, I think, you know – this feels like a team that's going to, you know, go to the wild card game and then get bounced out of the wild card game. Maybe, you know, um, I do think they're well coached, even though there's been some weird stuff at times, but you know, we were just talking about the amount of quarterback ambivalence in the last game. Um, I just read a kind of a, a, an analysis in the ringer about Zach Wilson with the jets and just how it's like, I mean, it's just been really bad with him. Um, and like, you know, Trevor, Fields, all these other kind of young quarterbacks, they've had some terrible plays, but you kind of expect that with young quarterbacks. But they've also like shown what they could do in the, in the 
college at times and they've had their flashes and so it's like okay this is right. still something built around that this is all coachable and things like that with zach wilson like it's just been ugly like all around it like he's processing things super slow even the stuff that he was doing that's like made everyone think that oh he's maybe the next mahomes or rogers moving with his legs like he's still like not throwing accurately on the run so it doesn't really matter um and it's just been all bad and i you know and the jets are the only team apparently that have picked a quarterback uh in like the top three twice within five years and so they can't give up on the guy they got to give him at least another year but it's just been bad returns all around i also like that coaching staff it's kind of a it's just such a toxic environment but you know again the, but i feel like on the other side of the ball i'm not sure that we feel much more confident in tua even with the five game winning streak you know on on the dolphins side so um it would be big for the dolphins to you know to get there to, to prove it with an, another easy win get themselves in the playoffs at least and then that gives maybe some clarity on their end i don't think there's any clarity coming from the jets this season no, no I, honestly look we're looking at probably what since i don't know pennington they haven't had a, a solid quarterback since sanchez Okay, so again, since Pennington, they haven't had a solid quarter. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry, the guy responsible for the butt fumble is not what I would call solid quarterbacking. I mean, it is amazing that he bounced the Patriots out of the playoffs at one time, though. I mean, it's just it's oh, kind of man, that was a weird couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'm rooting on Robert Sala. I would like to see him succeed, but I feel like the Jets is just. To say that the little brother of the New York market here uh, is a gross understatement. This, this team has been snake bitten by just dumb luck, if not bad luck, for the better part of a decade, really. And, and yeah, quarterback is key at that. And they can't seem to draft one, and they can't seem to find one in free agency that's serviceable until they can draft one. And yet, they can still find defensive talent like nobody's business. I mean, how many times has this team sent defensive players on? you know, who made all pro or just made Pro Bowls routinely only to have to get rid of them because they're disgruntled. They don't want to be part of a losing franchise. Something's got to change in New York. I don't know what it is, but I feel like this team, the franchise is just snake bitten when it comes to quarterbacking. <laughs> the uh, injury report here has Adam Shaheen, Hunter Long, uh, Jevin Holland, who was placed on the COVID list, along with Philip Lindsay, who's on the COVID list. Salvin uh, Ahmed and Miles Gaskin. So uh, that's uh, two running backs there for the Miami Dolphins on the COVID list. Uh, keep an eye on that going into the week. For the New York Jets, Tevin Coleman's in concussion protocol and Justin Hardy, their corners on the COVID list, along with uh, Jeff Smith, their wide receiver. Mike, oh gosh, why is there even a Mike White news here? Uh, he is dealing with COVID, so I guess if there's any option to replace <laughs> Zach Wilson, um, Mike White might not be available. So let's just move on here to a more interesting matchup, and I use the word interesting very loosely. The Arizona Cardinals travel to the Detroit Lions. Cardinals oh, fall from one to so three after that Monday night debacle. Um, the Lions somehow move up again from 30 to 29. I don't know what, our, what we're doing in our power rankings, but there weren't that many of us who did them this week. So this is what we get. Cardinals are 13 point favorites. And I think the biggest news coming out of Arizona, Nick, is the fact that some of their star players on offense may be shut down for the regular season. 
mainly DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he is currently listed as out. They're going to get a second opinion on his leg injury, and depending on what comes of that, they may shut him down for the rest of the regular season to hold him for the playoffs. You think the rest of this offense picks up around Mighty Mouse and the uh, offensive line there because they, they've got to bounce back from that ugliness that was Monday night. Yeah, they do, but they're also, um, you know, it, they get a. It's nice of them to go away from, you know, a, a bruising uh, rivalry primetime game and get a cakewalk that is the Detroit Lions. Granted, the Detroit Lions have, have put up a fair amount of resistance. They've, they've put a valiant effort out there, um, won a couple of games. But I honestly, if I were the Cardinals, as you said, I, I think the last I saw was that D-Hop was probably going to be gone for the rest of the the regular season, but they should be, you know, they've had a lot of guys banged up, including Kyler Murray, and, and they should just be, they should be resting people for this game. I mean, if there's any doubt. Um, and, and I think they still, the, the, the nice thing is at those positions, like wide receiver um, and, and other power positions like pass rusher, they're just deep, you know, I mean, they can, they can take some hits and keep going. This should be a business trip for them. Uh, for the, the lions. I mean, I guess this this season's kind of gone as planned for them, just because they they picked up the picks. They're gonna be able. This is gonna be a multi year rebuild. I don't know if Dan Campbell's gonna be around for it, but um, you know, right for now, at least they're playing with pride and losing games, which I guess is probably what Detroit fans want right now. Yeah, hold uh, on to the number one pick. Winning was probably the worst thing for them, but. I mean, who, who's close behind them for pick two? The Texans and the Jaguars. So, and at least Goff's girlfriend is happy. True, true. I did see the Twitter feed reaction of, of when they won, and she found out. So, you know, positive note. I, look, I, I'm glad Detroit's not going 0 and 17 or 0 16 and one, if you will. Um, I'm happy for them that they won a game. Still, you know. I'm I'm going to be crushing Minnesota from here to kingdom come for the rest of the season because I can and Kirk Cousins, but I, I can't even say this team is young. There are seasoned veterans on both sides of the ball for this team, and despite the rookie coaching staff all around mostly, you know, minus a few position guys who've played in the league and have already coached, you know, at other places, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say they're not coached well. I feel like it's the management of the game in, you know, in the last five plus minutes because almost all their games have been one score, right? Unfortunately, they've ended up on the wrong side on almost all those games except one. And I feel like time management comes down to it. So they're either losing at the end because the defense is giving up the go-ahead score or the offense is not moving the ball sufficiently enough to put them in position to get the go-ahead score. And something's got to change there because this is the type of thing we see turn from one year to the next. I mean, we've seen it a number of years, teams that pretty much surge to the playoffs because they won more than their fair share of one-score games, don't make the playoffs the next year because they lose those same games the next season. So it's happened to my team. Um, it's happened to your team, pre-Mahomes. Uh, so it – it's something that happens. Maybe the Lions bounce back in all these one-loss, uh, one-possession games they've lost this season. Maybe half of them turn into wins, which is a positive step in the right direction. <laughs> uh, 
Lions injury report does have several names on the COVID list, uh, including Jamal Williams, the running back, Fetty Melifonu, the corner, Mark Gilbert, the uh, other corner, Tracy Walker, their safety, Bobby Price, uh, another cornerback. So basically the entire secondary is on the COVID list. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, Penny Sewell, Jonah Jackson, Derek Barnes, Michael Brockers, Austin Bryant, DeAndre Swift um, has a shoulder injury. He didn't practice on Wednesday. TJ Hawkinson has a hand injury. He also didn't practice on Wednesday. So things to keep an eye out for. Tyrell Crosby, their tackle, is going to miss the rest of the season after uh, undergoing back surgery. Uh, For the Arizona Cardinals, again, DeAndre Hopkins most likely shut down for the rest of the year. Justin Pugh, their guard. Corey Peters, defensive tackle. Jordan Phillips, the end. Leaky Fotu, the defensive tackle, and Robert Alford all show up as questionable. Rob, James Conner has an ankle injury, didn't practice. Uh, keep an eye out on that. Uh, Chase Edmonds has not yet been activated off injury reserve, but they expect his return in the next week or two. Uh, next game here on the docket uh, has the Tennessee Titans traveling to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. The Titans climb from 10 to 6 in the power rankings. The Steelers fall from 17 to 18. Titans are one-and-a-half-point favorites, and can we say that the Titans are actually trying to find a way to just hold on, duct tape, smoke and mirrors at this point, Nick? I kind of feel that about both teams, honestly. I, I think the, the point spread is probably just right. Um, you know, making the Pittsburgh home dogs is kind of interesting, but, you know, they – the Steelers – like they kind of know what their weaknesses are. They're well coached enough to paste over them as much as they can, but they're still, they still show up. Um, but they just, they just keep on eking out, you know, very tight wins at, like a, a well coached and kind of veteran team does. But the Titans, I actually think I, I'm picking the Titans in this game mostly because I think the Titans, you know, they, they had that big rash of injuries, including the big guys, but I still feel like they, they're, they're drinking the Kool-Aid and, and they believe in themselves that this could be their year. I, mean, I don't think they're going to take it right it all the way, but it still just feels like they're a team that's playing with a little more confidence than the Steelers were, are that are just trying to like, you know, band-aid themselves together for, for Ben's last run. Um, I think the Titans take it. Yeah. And look, the, the Titans have a two might as well be four game cushion between themselves and the Colts. So it's not yet panic time. If they somehow end up with the same record as the Colts, they still win their division because they've swept them already. Um, I don't know how much longer they can hang on, though, because, I mean, they're still running the ball. It's not as effective as if Henry was there, but at least it's keeping teams honest so that when they can play action, it's working. They just need both their wide receivers out there. And unfortunately, Brown, you know, who was placed on IR, doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon. And then you have Julio Jones, who played last week, and surprisingly, it's not on the injury report this week. But again, <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a week-to-week thing with him, and we, we don't know. Look, as much as I've knocked Tannehill from his last season in Miami, even bits and pieces of last season and up you know, some points in this year, all of this kind of does lean on him now. And I don't – he doesn't look like the quarterback who can handle it. He needs he needs his weapons. And, and whether it's the backup skill position guys he doesn't trust or he's just not capable of holding this all together, 
it, it's definitely one of those two things at this point, but he's going to have to because, I mean, they dropped three of these last four and the Colts win this division. So, I mean, they they, they got to win somewhere. And this is a this is a big one to start out with because it's, it's twofold. I mean, they, they solidified their position in the division. They kind of deal a death blow basically to the Pittsburgh Steelers at this point because I don't, I don't see how the Steelers bounce back if they lose this game. Um, the uh, Titans here, Roger Saffold, Laurel Merchant, Harold Landry, Dwayne Krushnak all show up um, as questionable for Sunday's game. Their wide receiver, Des Fitzpatrick, has been placed on the COVID list, but Dupree has been designated to return from uh, IR, so that's a big help to help the pass rush, considering Ben Roethlisberger, shell of him former self, is an understatement. He won't be going anywhere. Uh, Montrevious Adams has been placed on the COVID list uh, for the Steelers. TJ Watt is questionable with his growing injury. He was limited in practice. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be on the injury report for the rest of the season with his pack and shoulder injury. Joe Hayden has a foot injury. And Kevin Rader, the tight end, um, is questionable. I, I will add one more thing here for the Steelers. Um, someone needs to get a hold of Chase Claypool and tell him that um, <laughs> celebrating first downs is probably not a good idea, at least for the rest of the season, because he definitely doesn't understand the time and place to do anything. First, he wants music and practice, and then he's celebrating with a running clock and 20 seconds left for his team to try to score and win a game. So hopefully someone, you know, shakes him up. The last one best celebrations game. for the hurry-up offense, man. It's just... Right. <laughs> I mean, who does that? Oh, gosh, this, this last one o'clock game, probably no one outside of these two teams cares about the Houston Texans, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Game of the week. Somehow these two – what's that? Game of the week, man. Game of the week. These two teams flip-flop positions in our power rankings. The Texans move up from 32 to 31. The Jaguars fall from 31 to 32. And yet somehow the Jaguars are three-and-a-half-point favorites. <laughs> As our shadowy background figure says, <laughs> Not sure. Does anyone really care? Um, do they? I mean, seriously. Davis Mills sure is quarterbacking the Texans, and I don't trust them with him as quarterback. And at the same time, we've got these reports coming out about Urban Meyer and what a douchebag he is. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. Know? I mean, like, for, for a game that nobody cares about, the, Jag the Jaguars have had a lot of headlines this week. Yeah, <laughs> for no good reason, though. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the problem. You would think that everything would be about Trevor Lawrence and his development this season and is the coaching staff doing right by them. I mean, you're talking about your rookie quarterback calling out the coaching staff to put the veteran running back in the game because I need him out there. There's no reason for Robinson to be benched, quite honestly. He's the best running back they have. And for the amount of leaks that have come out this week – um that are coming out of the coaching room just tells you everybody's talking you know it's like all yeah. the assistants are, are, are talking to the press and being like this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing and it, that i mean to be not even uh a full season into the into the league into you know in, into your professional coaching career i mean I, it's just it's so bad um and look i mean when you get to these level of le uh, of leaks it's pretty much hard for the coach to survive and for the, the thing not to be blown up because you just know there's going to be more if, if the change doesn't happen. Um, and honestly, like I'm all for it. Like I, I don't 
pay that much attention to college football. Um, I don't have a, t- a particular axe to grind against Urban Meyer, um, although I've read enough to know that there are reasons to have one. Um, but nonetheless, like I do hope that this kind of blows up just because I don't like really the NFL uh, NFL teams hiring from, from college. It, it's just so different. And like there's so few of these college coaches that go straight from being a longtime college head coach to being an NFL head coach that works as so many of the, especially the, the personal attributes of the job are just so different. Like you cannot talk to these grown men like they're kids and, nah. and you know, and treat them that way. The guys are like 35 and have like three kids of their own, you know, like, no, you just can't do it. And like one of the reports was he, he literally, he literally kicked the kicker. Um, in the preseason, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And the kicker was just like, "Don't do that again." <laughs> and he's like, "I'm the head coach. I can kick whoever I want." And it's like, "Dude, you do not know where you are, man. Like, this is not college. You're not like right. acting tough in front of a bunch of 18 year olds. These are professionals. They are your employees. Like, it's just, oh man, I, I, I and I feel bad because it seems like Trevor Lawrence is a decent guy, and I kind of hope that he doesn't get crushed by." you know, forces outside of his control, you know, being the first overall draft pick. But man, do I, uh, am, am I rooting for the Urban Meyer experiment to be over sooner rather than later, which makes me a huge Houston Texans backer in this particular <laughs> fixture. Well, then that only helps the Jacksonville Jaguars get a better draft pick. <laughs> which will be more attractive to the next coach, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Look, um, Matt Rule, notwithstanding, jury's still out on him. I mean, he's going to, solid job, I guess, with the Carolina Panthers up until this point. Um, it hasn't been a total dumpster fire, but he hasn't set the world ablaze either. Um, I, I don't know what it is. I, I guess, you know, I could see some in the past, some of the college coaches coming up to this level to see if they can do it. I get it. You know, uh, famously, Washington brought up Spurrier. And, you know, that That's was great. a nice little experiment for two seasons. I'm, I'm pretty sure Neil has some wonderful, hilarious madcap stories about how much he enjoyed the, the, that, that phase of uh, Washington football history. There were the Nick Saban but, Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, it, it, There's also oh, a, an man. Oregon head coach that we just, we just don't no, talk enough about no, on no, this podcast. We, 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 we don't talk about that because it never happened. <laughs> but look, every, everybody's not going to get Jimmy Johnson. Okay. It, you're 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 just not and, and you talk about lightning in a bottle jimmy johnson to the cowboys what in 88 89 whenever he was hired and for that next five years was a series of highly unlikely astronomical events. like all of that happening again for a coach coming out of college to a pro team you probably have better odds being struck by lightning, bit by a shark, and winning the lottery on the same day in in a desert at the South Pole. I mean, that, that that's how likely that is to happen again. Especially because and, the college game is so different now than it was in 1988. I mean, it's light years different. Um, and so, yeah, again, I, I hope <laughs> hope teams... I know Dave Sweeney is unhappy, but I just I hope teams don't don't do it, e- even if it's the Raiders. Oh gosh, you, you know, and I, and for whatever reason, I guess the owners, GMs, some of them have it in the mindset. Well, 
the NFL is now a passing league. We might as well get one of these coaches that runs a high-powered passing offense in college. And to that, I say, pause, evaluate your team. Just because it's a passing league doesn't mean you can throw the ball all the time, especially if you don't have personnel like offensive linemen to block, wide receivers to run routes to get open, quarterbacks to actually be able to read defenses. You don't have these things. You kind of got to dial it back a bit and go back 50 years and just run the ball until you can develop somebody. But we don't develop players anymore, especially not at the quarterback position, because we expect these guys to win now, not later. And I, I think it just hurts everyone all around. The uh, injury reports here before we uh, <laughs> beat these two teams any further. Uh, AJ Moore, Davian Davis, Christian Kirksey, uh, all on the COVID list for the Houston Texans. Uh, Davis, however, has a lower leg injury, so uh, he's been ruled out officially. Justin Britt, the center, is questionable, along with Terrence Mitchell, the corner. Uh, Jordan Jenkins, the defensive end, has been designated to return from uh, injured reserve. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, Josh Allen, Miles Jack, James Robinson, all show up on the injury report, shoulder, knee, and knee, respectively. Uh, Malcolm Brown, they're all defensive tackle. Carlos Hyde, the running back, also lists questionable. Hyde is in a concussion protocol. The 4 o'clock games kick off with a doozy here, Nick. We've got the Green Bay Packers who move up from 3-2 in our power rankings. Uh, taking on the Baltimore Ravens, who fall from 6-12. to 12. And um, it seems like all the Ravens have been doing lately is falling in our power rankings. They've not been playing well. Um, the one game or so they've won in the last three weeks has been pretty much by the skin of their teeth and, dare I say, dumb luck as opposed to anything the offense has done. Defense has given them a chance, but what's going – I mean, just from your perspective, you've played your, – your teams have played them. What's different about them now than when you saw them earlier this season? And Because and, it has to be more than just Lamar Jackson not doing certain things. There's something about the scheme of this offense that's just not – it's not functioning in a way we're used to at this point in the season. Right. Well, I mean, I think part of the issue is just everything still does run through him. And, you know, it's not entirely his fault, but he's been banged up this year. And, you know, when when you have a single player that's a linchpin for everything in, in terms of not, you know, through the air, on the ground and making decisions, um, you know, it reminds me of like that. Um, um, Rob Lowe's character in and Parks and Rec, where he's like this super fitness guy, and he's like so terrified of getting sick because there's like, you know, there's like a grain of sand in the microchip; it destroys everything. And it almost kind of <laughs> feels that way with the um, with, with the Baltimore Ravens is that there's there's a grain of sand in the microchip that made the whole Ravens offense work. You know, they've had they've had injuries all over the place, including to to Lamar, and it's just they've never gotten it quite back to where it can be the guided missile that it needs to be. Um, and so in the meantime, you know, that, that leaves them open to plenty of execution errors that can kill drives um, because they, they tend to be a, a short, you know, multiple short gain sort of drive team. Um, the deep shots haven't always been working out for them. So, you know, I feel like it's a funk they can probably get out of with, you know, especially given how good the coaching staff is, but, there's not a ton of time left on the clock is the issue. Um, and I just don't think the Packers are going to drop one here. Um, the Packers, <laughs> you know, 
uh, behind the curtains drama aside are a fairly well-oiled machine. Um, and I just, I, I think it would take the, the Ravens really sorting themselves out to, to have a real chance in this game. Yeah, right now the only positive thing for them going into this matchup is that the game is in Baltimore. I mean, they're five-and-a-half-point underdogs, and the injury report doesn't do them any favors. Look, Harbaugh expects Lamar Jackson to play. He's listed as questionable with that sprained ankle. Um, he's most likely not going to play for the rest of the week. Uh, their center, Tristan Cologne, uh, did test positive for COVID, so he's in a protocol Um barring anything happening before the week is out. Calais Campbell has a thigh injury and didn't practice. Taylor Wallace, wide receivers in concussion protocol. Nick Boyle, their tight end, has a knee injury. Alejandro Villanueva, their tackle is listed as questionable, along with Tyree Phillips, their guard. Ben Powers, the other guard, Sammy Watkins, was limited in practice due to a knee injury. So you, you mentioned the bodies here piling up. It's all offensive, basically, I mean, for all the injuries their defense have had, they're still playing well. But offensively, I don't know if they can take another punch to the gut and still hold off the Bengals or the Browns to win this division. Uh, on the Green Bay side, Rodgers is going to be probably without one of these three wide receivers. Uh, Marquez valdez Scandling has a back injury. Uh, Malik Taylor uh, has an abdominal injury. And the Quinn St. Brown is in the concussion protocol. Aaron Jones, limited through Wednesday's walkthrough, uh, he has a knee injury still. Of course, Rodgers has turf toe. That's going to linger for the remainder of the season. Billy Turner, the guard, is doubtful. David Bakhtiari is questionable. And Jair Alexander um, did practice this week, but he has not been designated to return from injury reserve. They could definitely use him on that defense. Uh, Cobb was placed on injury reserve over the weekend with the growing injury, so he will miss several games. The next matchup here, Cincinnati Bengals and the Denver Broncos. The Bengals fall from 12 to 13 in the power rankings. The Broncos move up from 18 to 16. They are two-and-a-half-point favorites. This game is in Denver. I don't care what's going on in Cincinnati. Call me crazy, Nick. I'm going with the Broncos. I know it's been a little up and down. They, they've probably not you know, been flashy to a lot of people, and that's perfectly fine. But I like everything they're doing on both sides of the ball. As far as a consistency standpoint, look, they're, they're not – they're probably not a 10-win team, 500 at best, and they're playing like it. You know, they're 7-6 and six right now with four to go. Um, they just mollywhopped the Lions on Sunday because they were supposed to. But three divisional games left after this game with the Bengals. And, by the way, they've already – Play, you know, they played their division opponents pretty tough up to this point. You know, they beat the Chargers. They lost to the Raiders, lost to the Chiefs. But second time around, we don't know what could happen here with this squad. And they're on the outside looking in with a good shot of making the playoffs, provided things fall their way. But Bengals first up, look, I know this is a high-flying offense. Everyone is on the bandwagon with what's going on here in Cincinnati. But the last couple of weeks with them haven't been sitting well with me, and and they look like they look like they're acting like the Browns. They read their press clippings after bashing Pittsburgh in the face, and then they dropped one to the Chargers last week. So I, I don't know which version of the Bengals we get here because consistency is is their problem right now, where it's not an issue for me with the Denver Broncos. So I, I'm going Denver here. 
Yeah, I'm very tempted to take Denver as well, just, you know, uh, on non-emotional reasons. Emotionally, I'm happy just to bury the Broncos. But, um, you know, it, this being in Denver, I mean, it is one of the better home field advantages, not only because of the altitude, because it is I mean, it, it is also a loud, you know, ballpark stadium. And um, and the rookies are playing really well. The, the defense is good. I think they're the sort of team that like, they they're set up to be in every game. Uh, as long as they're not playing like a top tier team, a top tier team might, you know, might plaster them, but against kind of anybody else in the league, um, they, they have a ch- good chance to win. And, but their, their margin for victory against anyone other than like the lions or the Cowboys randomly is, <laughs> is small um, because they have a quarterback that doesn't want to make mistakes and they have a good defense and they just try to ride that as best they can. But I'm going to go with the Bengals, not only because I dislike my division rival, but because I, I think the Bengals are the sort of team that even though they do also, they're also a bit erratic, they have just enough fireworks to be the team that can put just one more score out there beyond what the Broncos can try to contain. Um, and and look, I mean, I, I think the, the Bengals have made real progress this season, and, and I, I think they're... They're in a position now that even if they miss the playoffs, they're still building on something, and I think they're going to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Look, they'll they'll be a force in their division going forward. We've already talked about Roethlisberger, his imminent retirement pending into the season. Once he steps down, I mean, we don't expect much from the Steelers going forward outside of a strong defense. But this Bengals team is on the rise years to come. They could be a – I mean, they're definitely going to be a headache – for the Browns and the Ravens for years to come with the young group of talent they have on offense. Look, I don't care what's going on with that quarterback in New England. Chase is still my rookie of the year on offense. Nothing's going to change in my mind. Um, he proved it this past week, albeit, again, not not a winning effort. But I'm not saying this guy is unguardable, but there's very little he can't do on a football field right now. And, and, and yeah, and, and until teams consistently take him away, this offense is going to be a problem. Uh, a litany of injuries here for the Bengals. The main one is that linebacker Clay Johnson was placed on the COVID list. Uh, other names showing up on the list include Trey Hendrickson, the defensive end, Marcus Bailey, the linebacker. Joe Burrow has a finger injury that he sustained in last week's game, so he's listed as questionable. Uh, Logan Wilson, the linebacker, is listed as questionable with a shoulder injury. Chidabi Awuzie, the uh, corner with a foot. Chris Evans, the running back, has an ankle injury. And T. Higgins has an ankle injury. For the Denver Broncos, they have Javante Williams with a knee injury, Melvin Gordon, hip and thumb. So that's basically their top two backs in their backfield. Uh, Kenny Young, their linebackers in concussion protocol. Brett Jones was removed from the COVID list, but Malik Reed was placed on the COVID list. So, um, yeah, keep an eye out on all the COVID names that we're dropping here today. Some of these names could be available to play come Sunday. Some may stay there. The next matchup here, we have the Atlanta Falcons traveling to the San Francisco 49ers. The Falcons move up from 26 to 24 in our power rankings. The 49ers hold at 14. The Niners are 14-point favorites, and looks like here we're all taking the Niners. But MJ, our Falcons fan, does send this. Uh, this week, the Dirty Birds head out to Cali to take on the Niners. The Niners are sitting at 7-6 and six and are 
and are about as up and down as their play on the field as the Dirty Birds are for the last few weeks. The Dirty Birds have gotten over 100 yards rushing the ball, mostly to the left side, so something that's finally working like it should for the ground game. The defense still has some work to do, but they're looking better. The last few weeks, they have made some good stops at key moments, enough so that it gives me some amount of hope that the defense is getting better. Also, with the win last week, the Dirty Birds actually in a decent foot race for a wild card spot, which if we go back to our earlier podcast, I did say the Dirty Birds would be able to claim a wild card spot. We shall see how that prediction plays out as the season progresses. With the game being in Frisco, I like our chances to win. It's not going to be an easy win, and it's not going to be a pretty game, but I like our chances. He's predicting Atlanta 28, Niners 20. Um, first things first with MJ's playoff prediction, if I'm not mistaken, the Falcons – Okay, they are second place in their division, technically, um, six and seven with the Saints. Um, but as far as the wild card picture, they're still behind the Eagles because of tiebreakers who beat both Atlanta and New Orleans early this season. And they're behind Minnesota. They've got a lot of work to do. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm still not liking Atlanta's chances of making the playoffs. I mean, they've got the Lions and then they got the Bills and the Saints. And if they only win two of those games, that's eight and nine. I, I don't see eight and nine getting into the playoffs in the NFC, considering who's already there with seven wins or more, especially for wild card spots. But the last spot is probably the one that's up for grabs, considering there's like, what, five teams with six wins. So, Nick, is MJ out of the realm of possibilities, Falcons possibly making the playoffs, or even more or less winning this game for starters? <laughs> I mean, as for the playoffs, I mean, I think it's possible, but it'll be accidental. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it, will, oh, it will require God. other teams uh, dropping some games because, yeah, I mean, I I see the next few weeks the same way you do, whereas, you know, I, I probably I, – probably pick them to go two and three, you know, through those weeks. And that's just not going to be enough. And even in this game, I mean, you know, Matt Ryan is, is not the same Matt Ryan that we remember back when we were still thinking about Matt Ryan more often than we are now. Uh, he has 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions on, on the year. It, it's, it's a fairly anemic passing offense. And it's really been run through the kind of the surprise of the season, Cordell Patterson and the, and the running attack. But the, if there's any team that's going to be surprised by that, it's not going to be the San Francisco 49ers because they already do that themselves with Debo Samuel. You know, um, like Shanahan probably already runs like a better version of what they've already been doing. So I just don't see them running away with this game. And um, and it's it, it's going to be a tough, tough road for them to hoe for the, uh, you know, the wild card. But, you know, they, they're, I think they're going to be among those teams watching the scoreboards in week 18 um, with a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just going on to the injury report here. The 49ers have Fred Warner with an ankle injury. Deontay Johnson, the cornerback. Uh, Jacaris Tart, safety. DJ Jones, defensive tackle. Elijah Mitchell uh, didn't practice due to concussion and knee irritation, so protocol. Um, D Ford won't return this season, so he's basically been shut down. They will not have him. Kittle was held out with knee soreness. And uh, Drake Greenlaw is questionable for Sunday as well. For the Falcons, Emmanuel Ellerby, their linebacker, was on the COVID list. 
Uh, Eric Harris, their safety, has a torn pec muscle, so uh, he will most likely miss this game. Dante Fowler is questionable. Uh, Darren Bates, the linebacker, was designated to return from injury reserve, and Hayden Hurst, the tight end, has illness, not COVID-related, so he is questionable for the game as well. Uh, last 4 o'clock game here, Seattle Seahawks travel to L.A. to take on the Rams. Uh, Seahawks move up from 27 to 23. The Rams move up from 8 to 7. They are five-point favorites. And, yeah, look, I've been bashing the Rams the last several weeks. I feel it was justified. You're not going to convince me otherwise. Up until this past week, the offenses looked anemic. I mean, your quarterback was throwing touchdowns to the other team for three straight weeks and not looking like the guy everybody thought he was going to be until this past Monday night. I'm not going to apologize to Matthew Stafford. I think he's the same guy who was playing in Detroit, compiles stats, doesn't necessarily win anything of consequence. Do the Rams make the playoffs? Yes. Do they win a playoff game? Most likely the winner of the NFC East, which at this point, if they were playing the Cowboys right now, I might give a slight edge to the Rams, but there's still four games left to play. And I still don't trust the Rams. <laughs> so they have a litany of players who pretty much like been hit the hardest due to this COVID outbreak. I want to say, you know, to our producer, Justin, our Seahawks fan, that they got a good chance of winning this game, but I'm not absolutely certain their defense does anything it did last week against the Houston Texans of all teams. Nick, your take on this one. Yeah, I mean, NFC West division games are always just so weird. Like, every single one of those games just, like, just end up with results that just seem drunk. Like, you look at them and it's like, wait, what? That can't be right. You know, and so you never really know with that division. But to the extent that there is weirdness always, it, it seems to be between the Seahawks and the Rams, it seems to be in the in the Rams' favor. Like even when the Rams were bad and the Seahawks were like champions, they would lose games to the Rams. Um, and so I just I just don't see a, a great light uh, at the end of the tunnel for the Seahawks in this particular game. But again, the division is so weird uh, with these matchups that it, it certainly is possible. But as much as, you know, the Rams have guys on the COVID list, the Seahawks have been plagued with injuries all over the place as well. Um, and Russ has not looked right for a good long time. So yeah, going with the Rams. <laughs> Reluctantly, I'm going with the Rams as well, only because uh, I hate saying this, only because Stafford's not one of the players currently at the time of this recording on their COVID list. Um, that is the only – look, like you said, Russ hasn't looked like Russ. They're still letting them cook. They've actually run the ball more. I, I, I guess that's a thing. Um, that's helped them. But DK Metcalf is on the injury report with foot and back injuries. Alex Collins has an ab injury, so he was limited in practice. Um those two things right there give me pause to ride with the Seahawks. If they were both healthy, yeah, no, no brainer with everything going on with the Rams. I take the Seahawks. I just can't bring myself to do it right now. Uh, in case you're curious, the Rams players who show up on the COVID list as of this recording, Justin Hollins, Johnny Munt, AJ Jackson, Juju Hughes, Terrell Burgess, Jordan Fuller, Sebastian Joseph Day, uh, Bryce Hopkins, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Jalen Ramsey, uh, Daryl Henderson, 
Deontay Dayon and Rob Havenstein. Yeah. Those are all the names there. Uh, and three of those names are safeties. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in that secondary because uh, Ramsey, I mean, he tested positive pretty much right after the game. Oh, sorry, right before the game on Monday night. So uh, his return for this coming week is still up in the air. We don't know if any of these guys will be able to suit up. <laughs> going to be a good Sunday. Tyler Lockett game. <laughs> it could be. But um, we thought that those – Cardinals wide receivers would go off, and yet that secondary kept D Hop and Green and Christian Kirk in check. So, stranger things have happened. Oh gosh, the Sunday night game, and I, I'm, you know, you can only hope that NBC tried to flex this game out and just couldn't. <laughs> the New Orleans Saints, who fall from 23 to 25, take on our new number one Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who move up from two to one in our power rankings. Uh, the Buccaneers famously got swept in the regular season by these same Saints last year, albeit with Drew Brees, and lost to them in New Orleans earlier this season in the game that Jameis Winston was knocked out of for the year that Trevor Simeon finished. Yeah, uh, you, you heard that right. The Buccaneers lost a game in which Jameis Winston started for the Saints and Trevor Simeon finished. That is not me exaggerating or fudging the facts that actually happened in New Orleans. Blame the voodoo if you want to. This game is in Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers are level point favorites. We're all taking the Buccaneers. Do we have any reason to believe the Saints stand a chance at winning this game other than divisional matchup? <laughs> no, nah, I mean, weird division juju's about it. The, the, I mean, the Saints, I would normally like to give a chance, you know, just in coaching and stuff, but they're just way too injured i mean it's just it's like half the team at this point <laughs> like it's just ridiculous and the bucks seem to have found their group back after a bit of a skid so yeah no no chance here yeah i i, I don't see how peyton schemes his way to w in, in this one he, look he, he's been trying to to make this team competitive I, I, i'll give you that i i just don't see it working here but yeah um again in in, in for for all intents and purposes, this probably should be a bloodbath. Um, it should be the beating that the Saints gave the Buccaneers last year on Sunday Night Football, where, what was it, the score was 35-3 or 35-10 at halftime. It was pretty much over because the Buccaneers never really got back into it. We could see the flip on Sunday. At least we should see the flip on Sunday because um, yeah, Taysom Hill is still the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Um, Cameron Jordan, Ty Montgomery, Mark Ingram are the names who show up on the COVID list for the New Orleans Saints. Other names on the injury report include C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Garrett Griffin, Marcus Davenport, Taron Armstead, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Ryan Ramchak, Caden Ellis. Uh, for the Buccaneers, they come in relatively healthy here. Uh, Sherman strained his Achilles, so he didn't practice, had his first pick as a buck this past Sunday. Antoine Winfield Jr. has a foot injury and didn't practice. Leonard Fournette was held out due to a sore ankle. And uh, Rashad Robinson, their corner, was designated to return from injury reserve with a hamstring injury. Giovanni Bernard was, however, placed on IR with a hip and knee. Monday night football is a doozy. It's, it's a game <laughs> I, I'm going to hate watch with all my heart and soul. The Minnesota Vikings Travel to the Chicago Bears. The Vikings move up from 22 to 20. The Bears 
fall from 25 to 26. Look, Karen Rogers still owns the Chicago Bears, but Minnesota's a different story. They give the Vikings all types of fits and headaches that they normally aren't accustomed to dealing with. And the last time we saw the Vikings, they were losing to the Lions a week ago Sunday and somehow holding on to beat the Steelers. Outside of Cook, I don't have a lot of faith in this offense. I'm I'm sorry. Call me crazy. Yet, Kirk Cousins may have great numbers. I'm still crying about Justin Jefferson not wearing an Eagles jersey. Adam Thielen is still a beast of a wide receiver. I don't have confidence in this offense anymore to be consistent enough to bludgeon teams the way they should be. And, and the defense is still holding it together with duct tape. I mean, the head coach is doing his best out there, but they're not playing 60 minutes of football. Uh, I'm not saying the Bears win, but they do put a scare in Minnesota. What about you, Nick? I don't know. I guess I'm just feeling frisky for a Monday nighter. I'm calling the Bears win. Um, <laughs> mostly because of my disbelief in the Vikings and in my belief in the Bears. Um, but, you know, I mean, the Bears, <laughs> with, with perhaps some better in-game coaching decisions last week, you know, had a good chance to win in, in a game that was back and forth. Um, you know, I, I think they have some of the right pieces in place. And the Vikings are just that team that, you know, they went – you know, I guess in the good season, they win the games they're not supposed to win and they lose the games they're not supposed to lose, except they haven't really been winning the ones they're supposed to win this year. Um, so I just, you know, on paper, the Vikings should win it. I just feel like in Chicago, in prime time, um, I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the Bears pull it together somehow and Bears fans are all conflicted because they just want the, the best possible case for firing Nagy, um, but they don't get it. <laughs> so before we get to these reports, let, let's pause there for a minute. We, we do assume that this is Nagy's last year because we remember the infamous call that took place in the offseason right before the draft that, you know, the owner gave his vote of confidence to both the GM and the head coach and said they'd be back for one more year. Well, here we are one year later, and um, we didn't think it could look worse than it did last season, and it does. And it pretty much did from week one. Like, we, we don't have any confidence that Nagy keeps his job come Monday after the season ends, do we? I wouldn't think so, um, especially because, you know, it, it just seems like, they may have something in fields, but fields is not being well served by Nagy's system. Um, and so, I mean, at this point, you know, you, you've given uh, Nagy several um, quarterback chances, you know, I mean, and, and pace as well, of course, you know, with Trubisky. And the, like, I, I don't think there's anything on the resume that like makes it seem like, okay, these are the guys absolutely in-house that we, we want to develop uh, or at least give fields a chance with. Um, and yeah, I, I would be surprised if the two still have their jobs, but you know, owners work in mysterious ways these days. True. Indeed. And unfortunately, look, um, blessing and curse as it may be for your offensive coordinator, again, probably being one of the top candidates for head coaching jobs, considering Nagy came from that tree previously, we don't see the bears going back to that tree again to pick another coaching candidate yeah uh, yeah 
that's one that's probably closed to them. The one I'm a little worried about is the Raiders. Just be, but it would be fun, honestly. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm here for Chiefs Raiders being fun and not just in the like, wow, this is getting sad for the Raiders sort of way. You know, like I would, I would like a like a legit ri- rivalry and like you know and. Uh, master and sensei being a part of that um that dynamic would be cool but that's that's purely for my own enjoyment okay so speaking of your own enjoyment here while we segue a little bit uh real quick this uh daniel hunter dd westbrook for the vikings are on the covert reserve list adam Thielen's questionable along with christian derisaw um alexander madison and dan chisnia are also on the covert reserve list uh, for the Chicago Bears, Eddie Goldman, Artie Burns, they're on the COVID list, along with Mario Edwards. Uh, Justin Fields is questionable with the bruised left hand. Roquan Smith is also questionable. Marcus Goodwin, wide receiver, and uh, Akeem Hicks is questionable as well. So for your own personal gratification while we spin here to probably some things that are probably happening in the next four weeks. We assume the Raiders are getting a new head coach. You'd like to see this fun again. Was it fun when Marcus Allen jump shipped, you know, from the Raiders to the Chiefs <laughs> for those cu- couple of years that those teams battled back and forth? Because, I mean, this is a guy that pretty much like hammered you all in the silver and black and then pretty much just carried your team for, on offense, at least, you know, minus a couple of seasons with that, that Montana guy um, back there slinging the rock. I, I is that what you're looking to get back to? I was a little tight back then, but uh, yeah, I mean, Marcus Allen, all-time great chief. Don't need no other, you know, qualifiers or mentions needed there. <laughs> um, uh, also, you know, Bo Jackson, all-time great royal, Kansas City royal, um, great in the Kansas City community. Also, all that really needs to be mentioned there. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm all for like flipping guys back and forth a little bit. I mean, the the. <laughs> Unfortunately, it would not be a trend that would be in Biennemi's favor. Uh, lately, the the Raiders have tried to grab um, some guys from the Chiefs recently in bidding wars, and it hasn't worked out. Like they took on Derek Johnson, who I really like, but it, you know, it, the Chiefs are cutting cutting you know cutting ties with Derek Johnson and parting ways. It means that you know, unfortunately, the the Ring of Honor guy is is done. Uh, Raiders still threw a bunch of money at him, and, and a few other guys like that that the Chiefs were just sort of uh, you know willing to turn the page with. Um, so I, 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 cer- I genuinely hope that that's not this kind of situation that the enemy ends in, um, wherever he ends up in the NFL. Um, but I am in it for the fun, no matter what. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, since we are talking about coaching candidates and potential coaching vacancies, we, we assume the bears are going to be one, but, uh, as far as last year, coaching hires, four of them are currently eliminated from the playoffs. And that is Robert Sala with the jets. Cully with the Texans, uh, Meyer with the Jaguars, and uh, Campbell with the Lions. They are all officially eliminated from any playoff hopes whatsoever. Uh, what teams do we see possibly looking for a new head coach other than Chicago? Because we, we found out early this week, Joe Judge, surprisingly, is safe for next year. By the way, the Giants are currently 4-9. and nine. Which is wild. Uh, and apparently both he and, and Gettleman have, you know, went to ownership and they said like, oh, the quarterback's the problem. Oh, who picked that quarterback? That, that, that's a, It wouldn't lead to answer that question. Um, but so anyways, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I'm surprised they're sticking with Judge, but all right. Um, 
I, I get the feeling that the Urban Meyer is one and done. Even if ownership likes him, it just feels like there's enough coming out now that, that, that the seats are going to be too hot. The, the organization is going to just like implode if they don't uh, make a move there. Um, and that actually is a relatively attractive spot if you know there's a coach that, that believes that the you know the organization itself can get itself together because the, there were there was some wrong thinking and wrong decision making that went into that hire in the first place. Um, but they do have still a promising young quarterback and are still going to have mm-hmm. high picks and all that kind of stuff. So it's not a terrible landing spot if you just don't think it's it, it's a you know a cancerous dumpster fire. Um, yeah, I mean, Houston, unfortunately, I think David Culley was set up to fail. And I think that there's going to be some, some obvious, there's going to be some turnover there, depending on what happens, you know, with the Sean Watson. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I mean, in terms of some dark horses, it depends on how things end up in Denver, but like. I think Vic Fangio is one of those guys who is like a great defensive coordinator, but isn't necessarily who you want leading the franchise. Um, they haven't, I don't think they've had a winning season under him and they don't appear to be getting any closer. And it's in a division where you're going to have to face the chiefs twice a year. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if it, now that, that Elway is, you know, has been <laughs> kind of promote, like fired by being promoted. Like he's been promoted to a, like. <laughs> to the corner where he doesn't have control over much stuff. And now that he's kind of out of the way, maybe they can start undoing some of his work. Um, I think that's a spot. Um, but the, what about I, the Raiders? You know, do, do, do we believe Fasaccia keeps this job? I don't think so. I mean, I, interim tag? he had that nice little, as some interim coaches do, he had that nice little um, kind of short-lived drive, you know, where they kind of seemed to bump them up a little bit. Had they finished strong, I think he might have been, you know, it, it have it have a case there. Although even like the Raiders don't have a a great track record with that with their interim coaches. They give another year, like Hugh Jackson, Tom Cable, all that kind of stuff. Like it's just <laughs> it's it, it's it's not good juju in terms of that position. But um, but they they're an interesting spot just because I think given the contract that was given out to Gruden. Um, and assuming that the Raiders can maybe get some of that money back, I don't know. Um, they still seem like the sort of flashy franchise that is going to be willing to throw out money at a court, at a, at a, uh, at a coach. Um, and you know, and they want attention grabbers and they are still in Vegas. So that, that's an interesting spot, but one where they probably don't go with some sort of like, you know, assistant coach technocrat, you know, they're going to want a name. Um, so that'll certainly be an interesting one. And, and who knows what they decide to do with Derek Carr. Ooh. So, I mean, you look, you're not worried about Derek Carr in your division. I mean, I, I, looking at this year alone, guy just looked like he came out of college the way you just decimated him. But it, it you know, it, it's weird. It, um, other than Chicago, maybe Vegas. I hear what you're saying on Denver. I don't think it happens. Even if Denver somehow finishes nine and eight or eight and nine, meaning that best they go two and two at worst, one and three over the last four games, I think I think he's safe. Cully, I hear you one, you know, because everything going on there with Deshaun Jackson is just not a situation that any coordinator in the league look, and I get it. There are tons of coordinators in the league who want to be head coaches. 
I completely get that. And they'll take whatever opportunity presents itself just to prove they can do the job. I just don't see the dumpster fire that is the Houston Texans organization, not the, not the football team itself, not the players, but just everything going on there because of the poor mismanagement of personnel, draft picks, and, of course, the ever-looming Deshaun Watson um, case that still is unresolved at this point. Um, I, I can't see anybody willingly wanting to go there without some say-so in personnel. Because ultimately, I think that's going to be the key for anybody taking the Texans' job, um, especially if they want some type of offensive-minded head coach, assuming they move on from Cully. Like you said, he may have just been a figurehead for one season until they try to find a guy they actually want. Um, and supposedly they wanted Nick Casario for so long, um, but ultimately it just felt like – it's unfortunate because, like, like you said, I mean, I feel like he was just meant to be a placeholder because, like, okay, we're not going to get the draft hall for, for Watson this year. Um, we're going to attract a coach with the draft hall next year. And so we just need somebody to sit in this job for a year. Um, and then, then we'll try to like entice our, our real like medium term coach with it. Um, so Coley's had kind of the thankless job of running that mess for a year. Um, but Casario, I mean, being a new England guy there, if they're if they're really committed to keeping them, that really limits also their pool as well because not everybody is into the whole New England way. Um, so it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, interesting four weeks coming up here. Neil did send us something. He says uh, COVID nineteen won NFL quality this week zero shambles. So yeah, that that's his take of. <laughs> If you've heard the injury report, look, um, I don't think it's going to get any better before the week is out. I expect more names from various teams to pop up. Some big, some not so much. Uh, playoff clinching scenarios for this week uh, outside of the Patriots on Saturday with their win and help. Uh, the Tennessee Titans outright clinch the division title if they win and the Colts lose. So uh, half of that may happen on Saturday. Uh, no solid clinching scenarios here in the NFC. The Arizona Cardinals clinch a playoff berth with a win and a multitude of teams losing. Dallas can clinch the East with a win and a Washington tie or a loss. So they'll probably be rooting on Philadelphia to win the game. They'll clinch a playoff berth with a win and various other teams losing. The Packers clinch the North with a win or a Minnesota loss. They clinch a playoff berth with a win and basically New Orleans losing along with combinations of other teams losing. The Rams can clinch a playoff berth with a win and a New Orleans loss and some shenanigans or Minnesota loss and some shenanigans. And the Buccaneers can clinch the South Division title with a win or a tie. They'll clinch a playoff berth if the Vikings lose and some shenanigans, or the Niners lose, and some shenanigans. So those are your scenarios this week. Uh, Nick, anything else to add before we wrap up here for this week? 15 preview. Uh, not really, other than just, I, I, I guess I'm just happy for the league that we finally get a, a, a good Thursday night football game this season. <laughs> those tend to be weird, but I think this is actually one that has some important value because, and you know, again, anything important in this league somehow comes back to me. So that was what I really just needed to bring back into focus a little bit. As we Where's Monty when I need him? 
<laughs> still, uh, still piecing it back together, I think. Oh, man. <laughs> For Nick, our Chiefs fan, Kevin, our Cowboys fan, Ken, our Chargers fan, I am James, your Eagles fan, saying enjoy this week of football. Please take care of yourselves. Be safe. It is, unfortunately, cold and flu season on top of the ever-looming pandemic. Take care of yourselves as best as possible, however you see or deem that to be the right way to do so. And uh, be blessed this holiday season. Uh, We are signing off, and we'll see you next week.